told me to just say hello. <laughs> but I've got my Bible in my hand. I just wanted to say thank you to the worship team for leading in that chorus and leading us in worship this morning. But that chorus, what a beautiful name it is. About, I'm not sure how many weeks ago, we finished up with our last interim pastorate and we've been there for two years. And those people really captured our hearts. We were very connected to them. Ever since then, day and night, I'll wake up in the middle of the night and that song is going through my heart. What a beautiful name it is. I wake through the morning, I'm working away and I'm singing along. Just ask them. I've been singing along. What a beautiful name it is. When I walked in the door last night, the first song I heard, the first words were, what a powerful name it is on the music. And then you led it this morning. But you know what is really exciting to me when I was reading this week in the, in the scriptures, and it was saying that God has invited me into a partnership with his son. He's invited me to be partnering with that beautiful name of Jesus. And with him working through my life, whatever I do in word or deed, I know that it's all to give God glory because that's what Jesus' ministry was all about. So just want to read a scripture that I read this morning, and it's for you. Dear brothers and sisters, we can't help but thank God for you because your faith is flourishing and your love for one another is growing. When my husband comes back from being here and he talks about how God is moving and we love your pastors. They are our spiritual kids. And as I said last night, their kidlets are my grandkids. We proudly tell God's other churches about your endurance and faithfulness in all that you do. And it says, so we will keep on praying for you, asking God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things that your faith prompts you to do. And then the name of our Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live and you will be honored along with him. And so I honor you today. I stepped into the gym last night and I saw all of the wonderful big give things that were in there. And I, and I, I talk, hear about what you're going to be doing in the community and you're getting involved, but you're honoring the name of Jesus because you're partnering with God the Father, with his son Jesus, to be and to do all that he has called you to be. So thank you so much for having us here. It is a delight to be here today. Thank you for the invitation. We met with, I think, about 40 people last night. And uh, we had just a great time. And uh, it, was, uh, it was really just a wonderful sense of his presence. And we can just sense that again here this morning. We talked about the contrast between being a servant and being a son. And so we talked about the characteristics of a servant last night. Uh, which wasn't all that exciting, but it was good, and uh, we laid a foundation for our teaching uh, today. How many were with us last night? Let me just see your hand. Yes, that's great. We, we just had a wonderful time. Thank you for being there. And so today, we want to look at the characteristics of sons. Do we, have we passed out the handout? Everybody, anybody got missed? If we missed you, if you would like one, just raise your hand. We'll make sure that you receive one. Let's stand, shall we, for the reading of God's Word. Turn with us to Luke chapter 15. You can turn in your Bibles, your phones, your tablets, whatever you have. And let's uh, follow along, beginning at verse 11. So Luke chapter 15, beginning at verse 11. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. This is a familiar scripture to you. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had, took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. 
And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. And so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Before you're seated, turn to the person next to you, look them in the eye and say, I love you more than pizza. All right? Make sure everyone feels right at home. Then you may be seated. So last night we talked about the qualifications, the characteristics of servants. How they were gratified only by accomplishment. They were preoccupied with the symbols of accomplishment. They were caught in the uncontrolled pursuit of expansion. They have a limited regard for integrity. They have a limited or underdeveloped people skills. They are highly competitive. They are filled with anger and consumed with being abnormally busy. So we want to contrast that this morning with the qualifications of a son. And the scripture we have chosen here to use is that of the prodigal son. And so we have been with you uh, at different times, and we have shared with you our own uh, spiritual journey. And uh, it is that of the Israelites uh, being in bondage, and it, it really talks about you and I as well. So, the Israelites were some 600,000 men, some 3 million people. They crossed the Red Sea, but those who crossed the second river out of 600,000 men were only two people. And so, some 17 years ago, being a pastor of some 30 years, I basically told God that I wasn't going to do this anymore. I wasn't going to continue doing ministry as I had known it. I came to the conclusion that there had to be more. And as I've shared with you before, God took me through months of repentance. God changed my approach to ministry. I recognized that I had been one who had known the God of my father, who, by the way, was a pastor. I'd known the God of my denomination, but I really didn't know Father God. And what he began to show me as he gave me this picture is that so many of us as Christians cross the first river, but we never get across the second river. We find ourselves, <coughs> excuse me, walking in faith, but we need to add obedience to our faith so that we can completely trust God. And so at the end of this, I began to uh, step into a journey of intimacy with God, where what I found myself doing each day and continue to do is to give my heart to God. The Bible says if you, uh, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so what I began to realize is my treasure was in ministry, but my treasure wasn't in God. Does that make sense? So the ministry became very fulfilling. But I was pursuing the ministry rather than pursuing God. And what I want to talk to you about today is having that atmosphere in this house. We sometimes talk glibly about the fact that we are a family. But God wants us to go deep in this concept of being a family church where we are not servants, but we are sons and daughters. We have a relationship with God. 
that each and every day our priority is to know him, give our heart to him, and out of our devotions, as we shared with you in detail last night, it's about being innocent before God, being in right standing with God. So in other words, at the conclusion of my devotions each day, I don't simply say, well, I had my devotions, I read my psalm, I read my proverb, I, I went through my list and prayers, I wrote in my journal, But no, it's about doing those things. But at the conclusion, we're saying, God, come and search my heart because if there's anything that you want to change in me, I'm willing to let you do it because, you see, a servant is involved in the busyness and the activity, but a son simply wants to please the Heavenly Father. And so as we have shared with you before, and we'll just touch on this briefly just by way of foundation, when we're in sin or when we're in, when in Egypt, there is unbelief, but when we cross the first river, it takes faith. But if we're going to press through, and, and we have here Katie Sparnia is one of the gates uh, that go into the promised land, this is the place where we make a decision to serve God wholeheartedly. And so 17 years ago, what I realized that I was an individual, even though I was a pastor, I was circling in the desert, or I would begin to serve God wholeheartedly, even to hit a wall and fall back. And so it was forward and back and forward and back. And so what God has been doing in my life is pushing me through this, and this is where he wants to take you and I. There is a plan that God has for you. And God also has a plan for this church. And I am a strong believer that this is not only can be an individual wall, but it can also be a corporate wall, that place where leaders stop. I don't believe that there are many individuals in a congregation that go any farther than the leaders do. That's a good place for amen right there. Come on. And you see, the the Bible teaches that the, the husband, the father, is to be the spiritual leader, the pastor. And so many of us don't push through in intimacy with God because there's never been any footprints on this side of the wall. And God calls us today to be passionate for him. Not just to simply go through the motions Not simply to have faith, but at obedience to faith, because faith and obedience produces trust. And when you study Hebrews chapter 3, the two reasons that 600,000 men and 3 million people died here in this desert, according to Hebrews 3, 18 and 19, is they lacked faith and they lacked obedience. Faith and obedience will lead you to your destiny. So yes, I have faith, I believe in God, but what is it that he's saying uh, to me? You see, there's always another level in God. There's always another place that he wants to take us. There's always another step that he wants us to take. And so every day in my devotions, I say, now Lord, what's the next step here? And when 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 I take that step of obedience, I will grow in trust. And so we look at when we're in sin, it's all about me, it's all about my body, it's all about feeding what I want. If I stay in the desert, I stay in my soul, which is my mind, my will, and emotions. But when I serve God wholeheartedly, I learn to live in the Spirit, and when I learn to live in the Spirit, then I walk in the Spirit. And walking in the Spirit is just not that we as Pentecostal or charismatic people speak in tongues. It's much more than that. It's about having love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, long-suffering, self-control. That's the fruit of Jesus in my life. That's what the community around us wants to see. They want to see the fruit of the Spirit in our life. And so uh, I say all that to say this to lay foundation for our teaching here uh, this morning is that when we're in Egypt, we are a servant, a slave rather, and when we're in the desert, we're a servant. But when we serve God wholeheartedly, that's where we become a son or a daughter. And when we come to maturity, that's when we, we find ourselves being a spiritual father and a spiritual mother. 
And Paul said, you have 10,000 guardians or you have 10,000 paid babysitters, but not many fathers. And I'd like to suggest that we have immaturity uh, in the house of God, kind of like a junior high mentality, because we have never gone through this process of being a son or daughter where we begin to serve God wholeheartedly. And I found that I had to let God literally reparent me to become like him. So I'm going to invite you today to be open to Holy Spirit and what he wants to say to you. I I want you to be open to Holy Spirit to say, Lord, take me on this journey of intimacy with you. And you see, what happens is those first 12 years of how we were raised still impacts us today because we've developed learned behavior. We've developed a paradigm. This is who we we think we are. And for some of us, we've maybe grown up in healthy homes where our fathers especially were spiritual fathers, and they did lay down footprints for us, and it's so easy to cross the second river. But for some of us here today, we look back and there were no, there was no one in our family, immediate family. There were no one, there was no one in generations that laid down any footprints. So for Carolyn and I, these, these years, I said last night, we're, we're almost in the winter part of our life. I'm fighting it. I'm trying to stay at least in the autumn years. But as we find ourselves. Uh, uh, in this in this place of ministry our passion is lord help us to lay down footprints for pastors and leaders so that we are not content just to simply be an individual or congregation or even a denomination that finds ourselves in a desert experience help us to be people who lay down footprints for our spouse, who we lay down footprints for our children and for our grandchildren. You see, as we think of our denomination, Canada is 150 years old this summer. Our denomination is over 100 years of age, and there's, there's, there hasn't been any denomination that's kept their identity past 100 years. And we are at that point as a denomination Because you see, a hundred years ago, there were a group of people that were tired of this, and they wanted this. And so they began to fast and pray. There was an old expression they used, we prayed until we prayed through. Folks, we've got to come back and have that fresh passion once again. We've got to come back and want God more than anything else. We have to get on our face before the Lord. Tired of being, you see, you can look at this and say, well, this is the outer court and this is the inner court, but this is the Holy of Holies. This is where God wants us to be. This is where God wants us to live. And so together, we want to say we didn't come this far to come this far. Will you say that with me? We didn't come this far to come this far. God wants us to take us deeper. God wants us to have a fresh passion for him. Someone said success is found in your daily schedule. Come on, that was almost worth coming to church for, just that one statement. Success is found in my daily schedule. Do you know that whatever I reap today, I will, whatever I sow today, I will reap tomorrow? Some of us keep looking for a harvest, but we haven't sown properly. We drove in yesterday in the fields, the beautiful fields, and, and, and they have been plowed, and, and likely they have been planted. And whatever, you know, if you plant corn, you get corn. But you see, what happens is so much of church is done in this paradigm. It's about bodies, bucks, and buildings. As long as the people are here and the finance is okay and we can keep the, 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 the building in repair, everything is okay. Do you know that Jesus said that we are to go and make disciples? Do you know that very simply the mandate of the church is to get people out of Egypt into their destiny? 
that it is our calling to get people out of sin and to begin to allow them to hear the voice of the Father. And this is a beautiful part of this message. It doesn't matter how dysfunctional that we have grown up in in our home. There is a Heavenly Father this morning who stands ready to take you by the hand and see you come into greatness in Jesus' name. Doesn't matter, whatever the dysfunction is that you have grown up in, God can erase that as we get out of our soul and get into our spirit and allow Father God to reparent us to become like Him. That's the message of the church. But as people come, they don't want to be a part of a group of people that all they know is tradition and all they know is that servant mentality where it's all about the doing and it's all about the busyness and it's all about the activity. It's all about the offerings and it's all about how many people did we have? No, how many souls have we won into the kingdom? How many people have come to know Christ? How many people are we discipling? I sat with one of the district officers just a few weeks ago of our western district and he is mandated with addressing a, a, a need within uh, the western Ontario district where 75 churches out of 325 never saw one soul come to Jesus in a year. Folks, something's wrong. We're asleep in the desert. We've got to awaken and so our mandate is to work with pastors and to work with leaders and to, 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 to challenge them in their devotional life, challenge them in being passionate for God, challenge them in knowing who God is, teaching them how to have intimacy with God because the Bible still says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And so 17 years ago, began to make changes in my life and in my ministry where I realized it's all about making disciples, sitting one-on-one with people, challenging them in their relationship with God. And so we are sons in relationship and in position, but I want to add this. However, we are called to serve as our activity. So I don't want us to lose that that perspective. I don't want us to lose that, that concept. And so sons and daughters are going to find time to serve next Saturday. Come on. You see, servants, it's all about me, but sons, it's all about others. So let's not just use it as a coppa. Well, I'm a son. I'm just, you know, no, no. We're called to serve. So let's look at our teaching because I've got to watch my time. I have so much fun that. So let's look at the characteristics of sons. The first characteristic of a servant was that they are motivated by accomplishments. But when we look at the characteristics of sons, They are gratified by being. And so look at verse 17 in our text today. So here's a young man. He got all of his wealth. He spent it all. And here he comes to his senses. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. So sons begin to realize it's like... Uh, This whole thing, I believe, involves an aha moment. And for me, it was some 17 years ago as a pastor, 30 years in the ministry. And I I just realized, God, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm finding myself in a new church, and I'm praying, and I'm I'm wanting God to move, and, and there's just something missing. And then God took me on this journey of finding him. You see, 
when we consider the servants are motivated by accomplishment, sons are gratified by being, servants have a need for personal achievement as they seek to impress God and they seek to impress others. Have you ever noticed uh, of someone who, who's just so full of them and they want to impress you? They want to let you know how busy they are and how much they're doing even for God. But you see, sons have their identity in serving the father. We said last night, a mother gives life and nurture, but a father imparts identity and purpose. And so if we've grown up where there wasn't that emotional connection with the father and there weren't the basic emotional needs, and there's four basic emotional needs that we have, and that's another teaching on another day, but there are four basic emotional uh, needs that every one of us are ha- uh, Uh, have a need and if they haven't been met by an earthly father then we find ourselves with a fathering deficit but sons begin to understand I don't have to do I just have to be and so they find their identity in God because by the way if you're seeking your identity outside of a father or outside of father God you'll find that it will never meet the need that you are driven that there is a lust for busyness and activity and it's all a counterfeit for having intimacy with father God and so a son finds themselves having their identity and serving the father they rest in a deep sense of God's unconditional love and acceptance. And they serve out of love. They are giving-oriented, expecting nothing in return. And I recall when this began to happen to me, uh, thank you, in our first church, God began to show me that I had a deficit within my life and it was only going to be met by spending time with God. Excuse me. And God began to show me that my calling was to begin to meet with my leaders because unless the leaders were in step with God, unless the leaders had a devotional life, unless the, leader, unless the leaders began to lay footprints down for the congregation, we're going nowhere. And so I began to drink coffee and eat chicken with them. I sat across from them, and I listened. I shared my own journey. And after about the second or third time, I could tell they were looking at me, waiting for the other shoe to drop. Because you see, when the pastor wants to meet with you, he wants you to either be the head usher or head up a committee. But what I began to realize, I needed to build relationships with my leadership team. So I began to meet with them. And so I began to take these individuals on a journey with God. And I believe that that's what God calls us to do and be as pastors and as leaders. We need to be multipliers. We need to to win the trust of people and take them on a journey. One of the things God's been talking to me about is that because we're a hundred years of age as a denomination, we kind of tend to sit back and kind of lean back and say, we're, we've kind of arrived. We, we're kind of accepted. Do you know there was a day that nobody liked us? No, really. We were odd. We were peculiar. And so we're kind of leaning back. Somebody has said, we lean back on our laurels. I have no idea what that means. It just comes to my mind. But God, folks, listen. God is calling us to lean in. God is calling us to get our passion back. God is calling us to want him more than anything else. And if we're ever going to touch the community, it's because we are in right standing with God. And so a son or daughter is consumed and gratified with being. Number two, 
A son is preoccupied with the goal of pleasing the father. Servants are consumed with the symbols of accomplishment. Whether it's finances, whether it's a home, whether it's a car, whether it's the busyness that you can tell people how busy you are. But a son is preoccupied with the goal of pleasing the father. Look at verse 14 in our text. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. And so he, it goes on, he hired himself out. And what he said is, when he came to himself, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? What he began to realize that when he had spent everything and had nothing, it was the father that was going to meet his need. And sons realize and daughters realize that God is our source. Do you know what the Bible says? Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Folks, everything that we desire can be met as we pursue God. Understanding I am called to be a son and daughter in the house. I am called to have the position of being a son in relationship with the father. And so servants strive for praise, approval, and acceptance of man. And these are counterfeit affections that can only be met by a father. Sons know they already have approval from the heavenly father and don't have to strive. Do you know there's a verse in the Bible that says, be anxious for nothing? Do you know what actually says that in the Bible? Do you know that 90% of the things we worry about never come to pass? There's a peace that passes all understanding. Folks, there's a rhythm of life that you can have when you have right relationship with God. But the enemy wants to keep us at the very minimum in this, in this servant mentality. It's, it's, it's like the, the, the gerbil that's on that proverbial wheel and just running and running and running. And we're tired at the end of the day and we get up and we get back on the wheel and we run and run and run. And many people say, I don't have time for devotions. I don't have time to, to read my Bible. You have to find the time because I guarantee you it's just like tithing. It's just like when I, when I give that 10% to the Lord. The bless, I, I'd rather have 90% where Malachi says that God looks after my finances. Don't go quiet on me. He says he stands on guard over my finances. We wonder why we struggle because we haven't given our heart to God. The Bible says that, that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Our treasure needs to be in knowing the Heavenly Father. Our treasure needs to be there is nothing more important in my day than I rise and I spend time with God. Folks, there's nothing more important. And I want to reemphasize not the exercise of doing my devotions. It's at the end of my devotions. I let Holy Spirit. David said, test me, try me, search me, see if there be any wicked way in me. You see, the heart is deceptive. I don't see certain things. But when I invite Holy Spirit, he is quick to come. He is quick to expose and he's quick to uncover. And he begins to lift those things off me. He's the glory and he's the lifter of my head. This is not a time for the Christian to be discouraged and depressed and wondering what this is all about. This is not an hour to be filled with shame and bewilderment. This is a time to know our God because when we know our God, we will go out and do great exploits. Can you say amen? That's what we're called to do. And I want to declare over this house, there's a destiny for this church. There's a place God wants to take you, but it ain't in the desert. 
Because the desert is about the soul. It's about doing church in our mind, will, and emotion. But when we serve God wholeheartedly, we invite Holy Spirit to come and disrupt our program. He comes and disrupts our schedule. He comes and disrupts our agenda. Because he's Lord. And he's not going to be Lord of this house till he's Lord of my life. When he's Lord of my life, I begin to discover there's a rhythm. I may be old, but I haven't lost my rhythm. Come on, church. We need to have the rhythm of the Holy Ghost. We need to have vision. We need to have purpose. We need to be on a mission every day for God. And so when you set yourself in right standing with God, you go through the day and say, okay, God, what do you have for me today? Who do you want me to talk to? God will bring people into your path. Preoccupied with the goal of pleasing the Father, this young man said, I spent everything. I have nothing. The place I need to go to is my Father. Folks, the place we need to go to today is our Heavenly Father. We need to stop trying to do all of this in our own strength because His strength is made perfect in our weakness. Somebody's looking at the piece of paper and he says, he's got five more to go up at the top. <laughs> We'll go through them quickly. Are you okay? You with me? All right, number three. Committed to the pursuit of peace. Look at verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? You see, a servant is in the pursuit of expansion. It's always got to be bigger. I've got to pull down this barn and build a bigger barn. And that's because trying to find ourselves is a lust outside of receiving it from a father. And so this young man, in his perplexity and frustration, he says, the servants in my father's house have more peace than I do. They have a full meal. They go and they have a great sleep. Yes, they have to get up and work all day the next day, but at least they have peace. They know where that meal is coming from. So servants are very insecure, and they cover it well. Their life is filled with lack of trust and intimacy and the fear of abandonment, but sons are at peace with the Father. They know their security is not based on their behavior, but in grace. How many are thankful today for the amazing grace of Almighty God? Amen. He has saved it. It's it's by faith that, that that we please God, and it's through grace that our sins are forgiven. So I need to stop striving. And when I came to this realization a number of years ago, I just began to pursue God. And I have to say that even in the late autumn years, I am so fulfilled because my daily desire is to please my Heavenly Father. Number four, a desire for purity. We said last night that servants have a limited regard for integrity. So servants work and strive at the cost of integrity, but sons want to be blameless out of love for the father. A son or daughter, their their desire every day, their number one priority is to be in right standing with God. Their their number one priority is every day give their heart to God. So what God did for me 
a number of years ago, I continue every day to find that place in God and reinforce that because I know my soul is strong and if I don't do it every day, my soul's going to take over my spirit. And so I've got to find myself giving my heart every day to Father God. And so sons want to be just like dad. And sons who are secure in their father's love don't want anything to hinder intimacy with the father. They never want to grieve him. And so what's a beautiful thing as you walk through the day, Holy Spirit is there to talk to you, to lead you, to guide you. Holy Spirit is there every day to help us grow and mature. And and if you choose to go on this journey where you're no longer circling in the desert and every day is mundane spiritually and just the same old, same old, and you say, no, I am ready to serve God wholeheartedly. I understand I hit a wall. I don't know if you're here today. Have you ever found you kind of go forward and back and forward and back in your journey with God? You're hitting a wall and you need to identify that and push through that. And so God calls us to that place of intimacy with him. It's that place of every day saying, Lord, I want to please you. Here's what we have to realize. When we go choose to go on this journey, God's going to put his finger on your stuff. You see, we've been so long in a certain way. We've been so long in a certain behavior, a certain mindset that we built an identity. So when we talk about going further in God, we're talking about going where we've never gone before. And one of the reasons it's, it's fearful and apprehensive is nobody in our family has gone there and done that. And so it's time to go where we've never gone before. God, help me to please you and to know you. Let's bring this home. A desire for purity. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. For me, it was months of repentance. Repentance is, is, is a good place to be. Never be afraid of humility, brokenness, repentance. That's how we move forward in intimacy with God. Some people want to just keep adding to their life. I want to suggest if you want to, if you want to have intimacy with God, it's likely going to involve decrease. John said, I must decrease that he might increase. Number five, koinonia relationship or spirit-to-spirit relationship based on Acts chapter 2. If you want to know, it says they had fellowship one with another. It was godly fellowship. Koinonia relationships are always a priority. And servants have undeveloped people skills. They will quickly throw you under the bus to save themselves. Verse 20 And he arose and came to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. You see, sons and daughters celebrate sons and daughters. No matter what they have done, there is a spirit relationship. Servants are self-focused. And often resort to accusation, exposure of other people's faults while denying and hiding their own. But sons are relationship-oriented. In love, they cover one another's faults. Covering one another's faults is not like covering up 
covering protects a person from humiliating and destructive exposure until the fault can be resolved. You see, the church of Jesus Christ must be a safe place for the hurting and those who have sinned to come home. Another good place for amen right there. You see, in the Old Testament, there were cities of refuge that if somebody messed up, they could run to this city of refuge. And there, the, the, the Bible says the highways, the highways were, uh, were, were, were in good repair and the gates were open and the cupboard was full. And if you messed up, you could come to the cities of refuge. May this house be a city of refuge. May we not uncover people's sins. In Genesis, you see, covering protects a person from humiliating and destructive exposure until the fault can be resolved. You see, in the Old Testament, in in Genesis chapter 9, the young son, his, his father, had been drinking and he was naked in the cave. And the young son saw his father and came back and told his two brothers. So Shem and Japheth went into the cave, but this is how they went into the cave. They backed in. <laughs> and they carried a robe and they covered their father's nakedness. You see, what's so, what happens so much when we're servants, we say, oh, oh, do you know what I saw? If we want the anointing and power of Holy Spirit, gossip and slander, stop. We need to cut it off. And we need to cover one another. We're not covering up. There must be accountability and justice. But we need to be people of grace. We're almost done. Are you okay? Can you give me four more minutes? Five? Yes. We said last night that servants are highly competitive. Sons are non-competitive. Look at verse 28. He was angry. The second son... The elder brother was angry and refused to go in. It says, his father came out and entreated him. He answered his father, look, these many years I've served you. I've never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes. You killed a fatted calf for him. He said to him, son, you're always with me. All that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this. Your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. You see, servants often relate to their peers through competition and rivalry or jealousy. Servants cannot rejoice over someone else's success. They feel if they aren't first, they will not be valued or respected. For sons, it's all about humility and unity. They truly rejoice in the blessing and success of others. Sons are secure in their own identity and position and do not fear the success of others. You would think that this elder brother would be all excited like the father to come home. But you see, there was a deficit in the connection between this father and the elder brother. 
And so his son, there, there just wasn't the relationship that, that afforded that, that, that type of, uh, of, of unity and celebration. And so often that happens in the church. When, when someone is successful, we all need to rejoice and give glory to God. Oh, if I had time. All right, number seven. A servant... A son embraces repentance and humility, and, and I won't read it, but it's found there as he comes in brokenness. A servant is consumed with anger, possibly because of the abuse and mistreatment that servants have suffered at the hands of, the, of authority. Figures in their lives, they will see authority as a source of pain and are suspicious of any other authority except their own. Servants feel that by submitting to someone else's mission there, they are allowing themselves to be used by that person. Sons are respectful. They, they are honoring of legitimate authority because, you see, we don't have authority unless we're under authority. If I want to have spiritual authority within my home, I have to be under authority. If you want to have spiritual authority... At your place of business or your office, you must be under authority. And that's what sons do. Sons are teachable. They have soft hearts. Their goal is to simply grow in the fruit of the Spirit. And finally, number eight. Servants are abnormally busy, but sons pursue rest. We look at our text in verse 17. When he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? In verse 25, Now his elder son was in the field. He came and drew near to the house, and he heard music and dancing. Do you know that servants are always on the outside of the party? Servants are all, they, they never participate in the fun because they're too busy and they're too driven. How many understand God wants us to have fun? Sons and daughters know how to party. Sons and daughters know what it is to celebrate who God is. This elder brother came in from the field and all he could do because of his hard heart was look from the outside in. You may be here today and you've never really participated in the party. There's never been that love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, long-suffering, self-control. I want you to know there's a party going on. And God says, come on and be a part of it. And so servants, as we close, are abnormally busy, but because a servant has closed their hearts to love, their expression of love is based on busyness. Servants are guarded and conditional in their expressions of love. They are restricted in giving and receiving love. For sons, their love is open and transparent and affectionate. For a servant, their love is self-love. But for a son, there is selfless love. Do you know that a son and daughter never, never give up in loving? Because that's what 1 Corinthians 13. Do you know that it's possible to get for a husband to get so full of the love of God that they actually do the vacuuming and empty the dishwasher. Oh, we got some ladies saying amen. It's taken a while, but we're getting some amens now. God calls us to be people of giving. Do you know what's beautiful about giving? Is whatever you give, you'll get back. I'm just about finished. But listen. Can 
rest your bread upon the water, and in due season it will come back. What you sow, you're going to reap. If your marriage is dead, sow life. There's trouble in the office. Begin to sow the love of Jesus Christ. It's not about giving, but it's about receiving. John 15 talks about abiding in the vine. Can I just leave you with this takeaway? You folks have been so attentive. I've gone over time. You, you, you're amazing. Turn to somebody and say, I'm amazing. Just go ahead. Just tell them. I'm amazing. Just go ahead. Oh, somebody's not feeling it today, but, but you are. I'm telling you, you are. Join the party. Come on. All right. Let me leave you with this takeaway. Meditate on this this week in your devotions. We are influenced. Worship team, if you'll come, please. We are influenced from the inside out. Pursuing humility, purity, and koinonia, or godly fellowship, we will enjoy peace, rest, and true love. God wants us excuse me, to enjoy that relationship with him every day. He wants us to set aside a servant mentality and come into a place of intimacy. Will you bow your heads with me for just a moment? Again, thank you so much. You have been so, so kind. Just with our heads bowed, our eyes closed for just a moment. This is a very important time. And my wife and I haven't come just to simply preach a message. We're come, we've come with the goal of seeing change in your hearts. Seeing change in your lives. So I'm just going to ask us to just shut ourselves in with God for a moment. We need to ask ourselves, where are we in this journey? Uh, am, I, am I truly finding myself in kind of a desert experience? Do I find myself kind of hitting that wall and falling back? Do I have a servant mentality? The way I was raised, there wasn't really that depth of intimacy that I, I know I really need. But today you just sense there's a hunger to really know what it is to be a true son and daughter. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hands in response to this message, in response to the worship, in response to the tug of Holy Spirit. You say, I, I look at my family, and boy, there's no footprints there for me. But today I, I want to make a choice of laying down footprints for those who are going to follow I desire this church to be a church filled with Holy Spirit. A church that's a family. A church understanding what it is to walk in intimacy with God. If, you've, if you just sense that God is speaking to you, oh, I, I've got I've to leave you with this. Just while we were worshiping, God dropped this in my heart. And I, I know that this is for somebody here today. You see, when this young man came to his father, he was filled with shame. But his father eliminated his shame. He put shoes on his feet and a ring on his finger and honored him by killing the fatted calf. And I want you to know today that Jesus is the glory and the lifter of your head. You may feel that all you're worthy is to be a servant. I want you to know he not only loves you, he likes you. He likes everything about you because he has made you. He's the glory and the lifter of your head. You're here today and you say, Pastor, I know I've got to make some fresh decisions here. I want to bring change in my life.
I want to shift from servanthood to sonship. I want to be all in. I want to lean in. Can I see your hand? You just hold it straight up. Go ahead. Oh, that's beautiful. Bless you. Bless you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Hold it straight up. Say, yeah, I'm in. I'm saying this not just to me. You're just saying it to God. I want to be everything. Oh, what a response. Thank you so much. Will you stand with me together? This is what I'd like us to do as we close. Some of you may need to go. Feel free to be dismissed. But I'd like to open these altars as the worship team leads us. And can we sing that uh, chorus, Good, Good Father? Is that possible? Do we have that in the notes? Okay. Again, if you must go, feel free to be dismissed. But I I think it would be fitting. And many of you raised your hand. I, I think it would be fitting that as a church, we come around this altar and say, Lord, help us to be a family. Help us to cover one another. Help us to honor one another. And and I I sense God's already doing this work in your midst. I I just sensed a a sweetness to your worship. And I just want to encourage you to just keep pushing in. Keep believing God. Believe God for souls this coming fall, this coming summer. Help us to make disciples. These altars are open. Especially those who raise your hands, we're going to invite you to come. But I'd like as many as can come to come today. Lift up your hearts to the Lord and say, God, you're a good, good father. And I give myself totally to you. I invite you to come as we sing it together. Let's worship the Lord as we close our service today. Thank you, Lord.